Welcome back, Compass Bible Church, to another episode of the Compass Equip Podcast. This is Pastor Evan, and I'm joined with Pastor Hayden. Hey. (laughs) Sorry. And here at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything that we do here at Compass, including this podcast or Camp, uh, Camp Compass next week, or is revival. to fulfill... There you go. Or, sell, or selling books. Or hats. And coffee. Is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. All right, Pastor Hayden, just a few short hours ago, you wrapped up your sermon this morning, kind of our our sermon series of... Not sermon series. Our standalone series. Standalone series, where you taught on the prophet... Of preaching, not profit like the person, but profit right. like the like the benefit. The benefit, and that was out of Second Timothy, uh, chapter three, verses sixteen, all the way to chapter four, verse two. And let me read that to you guys right now. All the Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Well, Pastor Hayden, the main thrust of your sermon was that preaching is an indispensable tool for any Christian who has a genuine desire to grow in, in, in their faith. And you have three points for us. First is that we need to affirm the inspiration of the Bible. And number two was to utilize the Bible as your compass or our compass. And for us to intentionally, intentionally intake the preached word. Well, part of this is a kind of a unique sermon that you were excited to preach because as you as you started off, it was Vince Lombardi's uh, quote about this is a football, and you said, "Well, this is preaching. You know, why, why have a sermon on preaching?" Well, it's something that we partake in weekly as a church, and uh, honestly, you don't hear sermons on sermons and on preaching, and uh, if we aren't careful to explain and to address what we're doing when we we get behind the pulpit, it's not taken as serious as the Bible uh, takes it. And we need to make sure that on a a regular basis, or at least a semi-regular basis at Compass, that we're going to preach on preaching so that we can always uh, either correct misunderstandings, adjust some things we need to, or uh, in our own minds, just recognize and remember what we're doing and why we're doing it, and to take it serious and go and do all the things necessary that we can as, as members of this church to uh, prepare for the preaching of God's Word, uh, because that's what it is, and we're called to do it and to sit under it in a way that is meaningful and significant, not in the passive way uh, that you may see lots of people sit under the Word of God where they're either napping during service or they don't have their Bible open. Like, we got to see that this is the Word of God, and God has spoken, and He declares it through the mouth of, of pastors and preachers. Uh, and it doesn't negate the time you spend in your own Bible study uh, throughout the week, but it is a special time that God has set apart uh, in the life of all local churches where the Word needs to be and must be Carusoed or to be preached. 
you kind of mentioned it just now, but kind of under your point number one about us affirming the inspiration of the Bible, you, you challenged us to make sure that we are taking seriously that, that truth, that fact, that if we don't take it seriously, that the Bible is God's word, we'll never take a, a sermon seriously. And so even though it might seem aggressive, but as a pastor trying to lead God's flock, can, can you kind of speak to us in a sense that, and kind of break down a little bit more uh, about why it is so important that we can't, and we've grown up in this nominal maybe Christianity within the beginnings of the Bible Belt here in Texas to go, yeah, it may have been a, that person that kind of sat there and, and casually listened, or I see people doing that. Why Why is it so important that we remember and retain this fact that this is from God? Well, when we look at Scripture, and uh, you get familiar with Scripture. When you get familiar with anything, you sometimes lose uh, the value of it in your mind, in your heart. Uh, if I said, hey, the king of um, the world, uh, that like an earthly king, has, has a message for you. Well, you would be looking forward to that message. And if I said he's mailing it to you and it would be in your mailbox uh, shortly, you'd be checking your mailbox probably two or three times a day to see the message that is, is going to be prepared and written just for you. Uh, but because the Bible is the number one sold book in the in the world, and it is every year, uh, it's something that's become really familiar to us. And I and I, uh, with a lot of chagrin, I guess, uh, say it's come become familiar in, in a way that isn't great and profitable for us. Like we just see it as another book, or at least we see it as so common that we don't really look at it with the awe and uh, grandeur of which it is. Right, that the words in that book are inspired; they're God breathed, and they're for us to apply to our life. And I mean, there's just really no more simple way to say it than the God of the universe has spoken, and we must listen. I mean, and that's kind of what I've said in the sermon, like he is the God of the universe and he has something to say to us. And, you know, I mean, there's no other conversation in your life that deserves that much attention and to detail and attention to the time that it takes to, to, to partake in that kind of conversation and that kind of even monologue when the pastor's preaching. Like, I mean, there's just not another conversation you're going to have in the rest of your life that is as significant as the one uh, that you have when it comes to engaging with the with the Bible. Well, then you broke it down in point number two that we need to make sure the Bible is our our compass, our guide to our our life. As you brought up Psalm one hundred nineteen verse one hundred five, that the Word of God is a, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. But there's four things in Second um, Timothy three sixteen uh, that the Bible does. It teaches, it reproves, corrects, and trains us. Is there anything that you want to dive in with one of those four or all four that, how does that, those four things guide us as people and especially as Christians? Well, you got to remember the whole reason that those are there is because they're profitable to make one proficient and equipped for every good work. I don't want you to focus on teaching, reproof, correction, and training as if they are an ends of them to themselves. They're not. The The ends of teaching, reproof, correction, and training is that you would be complete and equipped for every good work. I mean, that's why those things happen. And so really, what I need to add to that is just, hey, when these things happen, when you're being taught or convicted of sin or being corrected by Scripture or trained in righteousness, don't shirk those things and, and don't fight them. Embrace them as part of your sanctification and embrace them, especially as your pastor is opening up that compass, right, that compass and and preaching out of it, right? I mean, you need to wholly embrace anything that comes from God's Word 
because it's profitable to make you complete and equipped for every good work, which is what all Christians are called toward, and even non-Christians, they're called to. I mean, it is the calling of even non-Christians to be complete and equipped for every good work. You just can't do that apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so really the call for all humanity is to be complete and equipped, but uh, the work of the non-Christian is to be complete and equipped in Christ, to turn from their sins and trust in Christ. The uh, work of the Christian is to be complete and equipped for every good work that God has prepared beforehand that they would walk in them. And so you, you have to allow God's Word to teach, reprove, correct, and train to those ends. All right, Pastor Hayden, two more questions on your sermon. Uh, under point number three, you want us to make sure that we're intentionally intaking the preached Word. That sometimes the hurdle maybe for us is that God seems kind of like a grump, and the guy preaching his word seems to be a grump. Mm. You know, why Why is it important to remember the reality that you, the, the pastors, and especially you as you preach most consistently here at, at the church most often, that when you're preaching God's word, you're trying to convey the truth. You're not trying to give us half-truths about you're a nice person, life's going to be good. Is there, no, you're going to go, what does the Bible say? Every verse, I'm not going to skip over it. Why isn't, how can we prepare and, 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 and make sure that we know it's a good thing that you, you, through God's word, reprove and rebuke and exhort us in our lives? Simple, right? Your parents sometimes sound like a grump, didn't they? I mean, when you grow up, your parents sometimes sound like a grump. And most of the time, if you have good, godly parents, uh, you now look back and say, they weren't being a grump. They were just being good parents, right? I mean, if your pastor, you know, and I'm not saying I'm not saying the pastor needs to be a grump, or I'm not. Even, God's obviously not a grump, uh, but what I'm saying is, when you hear the preached word and it is convicting to you and it's disapproving of sin and it's imploring you and encouraging you to live a life. Uh, that pleases God and that you're, you're learning about Christian doctrine. I mean, that is, if that's a grump, I mean, that, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just, the, how is it, how is the grump, I guess, is what I would ask. Uh, but the reality is, is godly parents, good parents are going to uh, convict you, disapprove of things you do, encourage you and implore you, teach you how to do the things right, and then bring you up in that. And that's the same thing that the Bible is calling the pastors of the church to do, is say, hey, uh, you as a congregant, even me, because I am also a congregant, I'm the pastor, but I'm a congregant, you're a pastor, you're a congregant, that's all of us, we're all going to be convicted and disapproved of our sin and, and be encouraged to uh, to live life of godliness, and then the Bible is going to teach us uh, accurate teaching on God and how to live out that life, and you know, I get it that sometimes your pastor is going to sound, it's going to sound like harsh, because it is harsh when we're being called out, but it should be loving because it is what the Bible says. We are to speak the truth in love. And so I think when people would say grump, you would it would be clarified as they call you a grump because they don't like what you're saying. Just like you would call your mom and dad mean, although all they're doing is telling you the truth and loving you through it. And so uh, for us, it's just saying, hey, you know, even when it's out of season to preach the word, we still got to preach the word. And our work is always the same, whether or not it's approved of man or, or, or disapproved by man. And something that to help remind you uh, is that Pastor Hayden and myself, as your other pastor, we care what, about what God cares about as scripture is able that is to, there to equip us to be complete, to become more Christ-like. That's why we say what we say. 
and and let me just be honest. I love you guys. Like I I love you dearly. Like I I talk about uh, you guys. I'm not talking about as the compass, like the brand. Like I love you guys. You're listening to this. Like I love you. I care so much about you. And and I think about it all the time. Like one of my biggest blessings in my life is, is you. And uh, but that doesn't keep me from saying the truth. And it doesn't keep me. Uh, from some saying things that are uncomfortable, I do that because I love you, because I love God, because I love this church. Uh, yeah, and it's, I mean, I hope you never feel like your pastor doesn't love you and care about you just because he's telling you the truth. Because And the truth is, I wouldn't say these things if I didn't love you. And I couldn't be a loving pastor if I didn't didn't say the things that the Bible told me to say. But you guys are the big, one of the biggest blessings in my life behind uh, you know, my wife, my salvation, for, first and foremost, my wife and my my child that I'm having, but you guys are like right there. I love you and care about you. And you should know that. And your pastor should love you and care about you. Cause if not, then it does, it is a grump, a grump on a stump, you know? I mean, <laughs> it's like a sage on a stage, but a grump on a stump. You get it? Oh, I get like, it. <laughs> All right. To save you from further embarrassment, <laughs> the final question I have for you in the sermon is you ended it uh, challenging us to prepare for Sunday. I want to give you this opportunity to maybe dive into something you may not have in the sermon itself, but what can we do to prepare for Sunday? I think you need to just begin with a commitment to say, I will prepare. Like, I mean, there is a million things you can do, and I gave you a five, but I mean, there's there's a litany of things. There's just, there's just an onslaught of different things that you can do uh, to prepare for the preaching of God's Word. You know, for instance, I didn't say it in the sermon, but if you don't have an ESV Bible, probably buy an ESV Bible. Why? Because your pastor's preaching out of the ESV Bible. And you, when you follow along, you want to be following along with the version that your pastor has. So there you go. I mean, buy an ESV Bible because that's what our church uses. And not that it's the only good translation, but it's the one we use. That's an easy way to prepare for the sermon. I mean, there's, there's just a lot. But the idea is to say, I'm going to commit to doing more this week to prepare for the sermon than I was doing before. I mean, it's just the, the principle of preparation. And one way you said for us to prepare and to apply Sunday is to do the application questions that right. you you have written down for us. So shifting gears to our application question direction, what is the direction that we should take with these questions as we listen to a sermon on preaching? Yeah, on a couple of those questions, I have uh, some objections. Like on question number two, it says, what is the problem with saying some or most of the Bible is inspired, but maybe not all of it, quote unquote? Uh, and I have some other ones as well. Uh, but I mean, just to think like, don't only think what is the right thing. Uh, also think about, I mean, what are people saying about the, the inspiration of the Bible or that the Bible is or is not God breathed? And you need to be thinking about some of those things and, and trying to understand what the Bible says about itself. It's self-authenticating uh, truth claims uh, because you're going to have to battle that. And if you're a parent in here, your kids are going to have to fight that battle just as you are. And so it's good now to equip your uh, your family with the resources they need. And that's why our bookstore is open. And in our bookstore, we have books that help you understand the truth and validity of Scripture. Uh, and we're going to continue adding to that. But what we want to do is give you the resources to uh, answer those questions. And I think for your application questions and your small group, it'll be great for you guys to dialogue that second part of question number two to ask, what is the problem with saying that some of the Bible is inspired, but not all of it? Is there a problem? If there is a problem, well, how do we respond to that problem? And so I just think, you know, thinking not only about what you're going to do, but how would you respond to people who say things opposed to what you believe? 
All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Hayden, for your sermon this Sunday today, as we're talking right now. <laughs> All right, Compass, we are diving into the daily Bible reading spotlight right now. And congratulations, you are in a new book of the Bible. You guys are doing great. He has been singing that theme song all week long. It's kind of referring to Camp Compass a little bit, Jurassic Park, but there's no correlation at all. Just he's got a song stuck in his head. <laughs> but there's some songs that you need stuck in your head, and these are the Psalms. Look at that segue. Mm. All right, Let's Compass, we are did. diving into the a new book, and it's kind of weird to call it a book. It's the, it's the book of the Psalms, and so it's a collection of different there's Psalms. There's more than one book in the book of Psalms. And there's more, more, exactly. So it's kind of hard to say, hey, this is the book of Psalms, because there's right. five books of Psalms, but each Psalm is like, its own thing. Well, to give you some context and helpful background, the, the word for psalm in Hebrew, psalm is a Greek word that's transliterated. The Hebrew word is uh, tehillim, which means praises. And so this is a book of praises. And yes, it is the longest book in your Bible. But in, what it can kind of be helpful for to understand is that this is like a hymnal book. Remember the old hymnals mm, that you had? in the Broadman. The, like the the churches I grew up Lutheran I had a Bible and right next you to didn't it was a have a, you didn't have a Broadman hymnal if you were Lutheran I don't think so it was a Baptist hymnal wow but this is Israel's hymnal right oh, here okay and so this is Israel's hymnal that they would sing songs of praises about who God is and the main characters you can say are the of the authors of Psalms and, you know yes David wrote vast majority of the Psalms. But if you didn't know this, he's not the only author of the Psalms. He wrote most of them. But you have a, a person named Asaph who wrote 12 Psalms. You have the sons of Korah that are mentioned in the Old Testament. They wrote 11 Psalms. You had not, s- not the sons of Korah's rebellion, though. Different, different sons of Korah. Different sons of Korah. Then there's Solomon. He, there's two Psalms in there. And then there's Moses. There's, I think, Heman. You can say Heman, I guess. And Ethan. Both are at... Ethan. <laughs> it's just a... Some random guy named Ethan. Some random guy named Ethan. <laughs> they wrote one psalm each. And then there's several psalms that are technically anonymous. Who's, who's the Ezraite? Ezraite? I have to look into that more. Okay. That's just the the title of the psalm. And Ethan. And Ethan, the Ezraite. Pastor. Oh, oh, it's Ethan the Ezraite. Yes. Oh, okay. See, we don't know everything, even as your pastors. So remember that. All right. So those are the main characters that you can see. But ultimately, the main character of, of all of the Psalms is God. God. It's it's God. It's all about God. It's always going to be about God. But to help you kind of understand how the book of the Psalms was collected and organized is that there's five books. You might even see that in your modern day Bible. It's book one, book two, book three. There's five books. So here's a quick outline if you want to get a piece of pencil out. A piece Pe- of pencil. Piece of pencil. <laughs> We've been day. talking a lot today, guys. Piece of paper <laughs> piece of and pencil. a pencil or pen or highlighter if you really want to or a Sharpie if you're, if you're okay, wild. All right. Is that you can write down. Book number one is Psalm 1 to 41. And this is one can argue that this is you know, responding in worship to God's sovereign election. Book number two is Psalm 42 to 72. This is responding in worship to God's you know, protective nurture. Uh, book number three is Psalm 73 to 89. This is responding in worship to God's instruction and in holiness. Book number four, Psalm 90 to 106. This is responding in worship to God's fatherly discipline. And book number five is Psalm 107 to 150. 
the end of the book, and this is responding in worship to God's ultimate faithfulness. And those those headlines are kind of a scholar's best kind of organization of the psalm to kind of help yeah, you understand. Kind of like a loose grouping. Loose grouping. Now, but here's a helpful fact for you guys. Um, this is in the Word, uh, Word Biblical Commentary on the Book of Psalms. Great commentary. It's a three-book set. It says that at the end of each book, there's a doxology. Essentially, it's just explaining the glory of God. So at the end of book one, two, three, four, and and five, and one may argue that all of Psalm 150 is probably a doxology. It's just kind of displaying the glory of God, and then that book ends, and it goes on to the next book in the book of Psalms. But all that being said, with all that background, the purpose of the book of Psalms is to, was, was to help Israel and the reader, so you, to properly worship God and to develop a deeper devotion to God in the best of times and the worst of times. People love the Psalms. I love the Psalms because they're parts of these authors' lives where it's the, the greatest day of their life. Did you just quote a poet? I don't think so. It was the best of times. It, okay, so it was yeah, the I did, worst of I times. did bring it up. Is, because, that, is that Hamlet? No, it's... Who is that? <laughs> Yeah. Tale of Two Cities. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, Dickens. Yes. Oh, cool. All right. So, in the in the in the best of times, or the worst of times, you can properly worship God and and have a deep devotion to God, even in the best days of your life, or in your eyes, the worst days of your life. And a soap opera, days of our lives. Here you go. But it's, I love the Psalms because they can really help us as we celebrate joy or when we mourn and mm. be able to help us continue to rightly think about God. Now, there's a couple ideas in the Psalms that may be helpful to know is that a lot of uh, ideas that re- are repeated throughout all the Psalms, as you can put down one, is trust. Trust in God no matter the occasion. There's been plenty of times where David is saying, trust in God as I'm on the run, as my enemies surround me, I still trust in God. There's to praise God always in the good or bad days, to always praise God and to rejoice in God, to sing a song no matter how dim life may feel. And actually, even though God is described as righteous and just and actually justly angry, just as a a parent would be to someone harming their children, that's how God feels for his people. He is most described hundreds of times in the Psalms as unfailing love or as steadfast love. And so those ideas, steadfast love, rejoicing, praising, and trust are the consistent uh, ideas you will see through the book of Psalms. I love that the Psalms help us from being uh, schizophrenic Christians. Like, cause you know, a lot of times we want to be, uh, we, we dictate our emotions or our, our thoughts based on the situation that is occurring in our life. But when you read the Psalms, like you were saying, it doesn't matter the situation, uh, their understanding of God, right? Their doctrine of God was always consistent and, and they were always the one having to align themselves with the truth of God and trust, praise, rejoicing, and God's steadfast love is always one of those reoccurring themes. I love that about the Psalms. Especially in book number two, Psalm 42 to 72, those are a lot of Psalms that you can read to to encourage you during difficult times. Um, Finally, the cool part about the Psalms, like the rest of the Old Testament, is that many of the Psalms are pointing to Christ. Some of these Psalms are quoted as prophecy, and even the uh, the Psalms that you'll read this week in Psalm 1 to uh, chapter 21, are going to be prophetic psalms that reveal the Messiah. Like Psalm 1 and 2, that's a messianic psalm, revealing the divine Son of God. Psalm 3 is the revelation of the victory of the Messiah. Psalm number 8 is used to show that the messianic son of Abraham is Jesus. And, and Psalm 16, this one's fun, this is the psalm of the resurrected Messiah. 
So read those Psalms and see how the Old Testament is pointing towards what the New Testament should look like. And a resource that you can have on your bookshelf that is extremely helpful, not just for the Psalms, but for all the Old Testament prophecies, is the Moody Handbook. The Moody Handbook of Messianic Prophecy. This is edited by uh, Michael Rydelnik and then Edwin Blum. Those are some fun last names. But a very smart scholar. And Ethan. And Ethan. <laughs> Ethan has no involvement, but the Moody High Handbook of Messianic Prophecy. But the point, as we uh, point for us Christians, as we study and read the Book of Psalms, is just like what Paul wrote to the Corinthian Church in Colossians three. The, you know, the, the, the Colossian Church. The Colossian. You church. said the Corinthian Church. I am wrong. That's okay. There's a lot of C's in the Bible. But hey, we just finished the Book of Colossians. We did. Almost said Corinthians Corinth- again. <laughs> But as he, as Paul wrote in, in verse at the end of verse sixteen that you know he wants the word of God to dwell in the Christian r- richly, but to make sure that they're you know singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So when you're reading the psalms, let there be a thankfulness to God for the salvation that He offers through Jesus Christ, for all the provision that He's given you, that the the eternal hope through Christ that you have because of him. So as you read them, let this be a time of joy as no matter what season in life you're in, that the Psalms can to lift your heart up into hope and into joy. So that ends our daily Bible reading spotlight. All right, Compass, we have some announcements that are good for you to keep in mind this week. The first is at the Compass Bookstore, we have new books and new hats. What, what? All right, we got those both in the same week. So if you're looking for some uh, books to add to your library, we have some great volumes there for you to grow in your faith. Like expository listening. Expository listening. We're sold out of those at this moment, but we're going to get some more. All right. (laughs) So, and we have some new hats. I hope you saw those and uh, use those as a great tool for you to go out in the community, look good, and also be able to talk about why it's important to be a part of a Bible teaching church. This week, we also have our kids' summer camp, Camp Compass. It's on. And so maybe by the time you're listening to this, it's already going on. And so what you should be doing right now is be praying for Camp Compass. Uh, And if you're listening to this before Tuesday, there's still time to sign up your kiddo. But if you're not, be praying for the kids that... Uh, the word of God would be used to make them wise into salvation. Also, that parents who are registering their kids who aren't a part of our church would uh, get connected here as we engage with them and their kiddos this next week. And then also, finally, we have our Compass Student Summer Camp called Revival coming up on July 22nd through the 24th. If you're a student or you are a parent of a student from 6th to 12th grade, you can register now at compasshillcountry.org for Revival. We're going to be having a lot of fun. We're going to go to Slitterbond. We're going to be playing laser tag. But that's just the tertiary thing. The main thing... The meat and potatoes. The meat and potatoes is we're going to be talking about the Word of God, literally, Logos, the Word of God, and be teaching your kiddos how to take God at his word. So we'd love for you to sign up your students for this and be praying for students to come to know Christ and those who do to grow in their relationship with Christ. All right, Compass, so grateful for you. Looking forward to seeing how God is going to use this congregation to reach people for Christ, teach people to be like Christ, and to train people to serve Christ. We'll see you next week. Do, 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 do. <laughs>